You can see it. He grieves. He grieves just like a mother. He's just like a mother in the hospital. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem is oozing out of him. These cries, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I, I long for you. I love you, but you're going to die, Jerusalem. And, and it's killing me inside. His heart, is just, his heart is just breaking. It's just oozing out of him like a grieves like a mother. He grieves for people only a mother could love. Did you notice this? These are people that Jesus, oh, that only a mother could love, only Jesus could love. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, you who stone those sent to you. These are people that only a mother could love. These are horrible people. These are vicious people. These are people who take the, the, the people that God sends to them and they assassinate them in brutal ways. They murder them. These are people that only a mother could love. He loves them. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. This morning we're going to look at the teaching of Jesus, the grief of Jesus. I want to invite you into this uh, by peace standing out of respect for the words and the works of Jesus. This is a, a powerful, powerful scripture here from Jesus and it's perfect here for the season of Lent as it calls each of us in various ways to repentance. Here's the teaching of Jesus. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. 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 You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. I got a message the other day. The message came with a beautiful sketch. It was a sketch of a baby cradled, arms and legs in the fetal position, eyes gently closed. It was a beautiful sketch of a child in utero. The sketch came with a message. Some of these words I didn't understand. Some of you might a little bit better than me, but the message started like this. When pregnant, the cells of the baby 
migrate into the mother's bloodstream and then circle back into the baby. It's called fetal, maternal, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, microchimerism. And the message went on to describe how the baby puts fetal cells into the bloodstream of the mother and those fetal cells will go into different places in the mother's body, for example, the heart, and heal injuries there. And so what happens in the is that the child helps the mother and the mother helps the child. Apparently, it's reciprocal. There's an incredible relationship between mother and child. The message even went on to talk about how sometimes apparently these new moms get these cravings and that some people theorize that what's happening is the baby is actually having some kind of a deficiency. I wasn't so sure about that because I'm not sure how Slurpees from 7-Eleven at 2 a.m. are nutritional deficiency, but still you get the point. There's this incredible connection. This incredible connection between mother and child. So that even fetal cells can be found in a mother years later. I think that's why people say that when you become a mother, you're always a mother. And it never changes. It's what I think making... A child taking that child to kindergarten can be so hard. The mother wants the child to grow up. And then you walk out of the kindergarten classroom and you think, man, i actually not sure I wanted that. That's why high school is so scary. Oh, the love of a mother. I heard a story from a pastor. The son of a mother got caught between fire from gangs, drugs and money, that kind of thing. And so the son ended up going to the hospital. They did everything that they could for the son. The mother gets called. The pastor does too. And the hospital did everything they could for the son, but they couldn't save him. And so the pastor watches as this mother takes the body of her son, cradles the body as the son is dying. And she screams out in pain, my son, my son. And the pastor said it was as if, as the son was dying, the mother was too. There's nothing on earth, I think, like the grief of a mother. I tell you this because I think that helps you enter into what is actually going on in this text. This is Jesus' motherly love. That's the grief. The Pharisees, you heard it, the Pharisees come to Jesus, they say, Jesus, you got to leave now. Herod 
wants to kill you. And Jesus, cool as a cucumber, says, I'm not going anywhere. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay right here. And I'm going to heal. I'm going to be the Messiah. I'm going to do what I do. And then I'm going to come to completion on the third day, which should trigger some things in you. You know what's going to happen. He's going to die, and he's going to rise. And nobody's going to change that for him. And he says it's going to happen in Jerusalem. But see, that's what triggered him. All of a sudden, Jesus is thinking about Jerusalem, and it triggers him. It triggers him. It's like all of a sudden, Jesus just emotionally breaks, and what you see in his heart is the love of a mother. This is Jesus' motherly grief. I want to clarify this for you. Jesus is true man. I've said that from this pulpit so many times. I've said it till I'm blue in the face. Those of you who've been around for a while, you know that Jesus is true man. I insist on it. Jesus is true man. Normally when I talk about that, I'm talking about Jesus' humanity. Jesus is a true human being. Jesus is true man. But today I want to say something else. He's also a man. He was and he still is biologically male. Jesus is true man. I'm not denying that. I'm clarifying that for you right now. And I think I should for many reasons, not the least of which is that many people say that the church has undergone in recent decades what they call feminization. You can look at pictures of Jesus. What does he look like? He has facial features like a woman. You can think about how he sometimes is talked about in the church. Sometimes it's awful, lovey, dovey. And scholars will say, they call it the feminization of the church. Scholars will say that because this has happened, because Jesus has been caricatured, because Jesus has been distorted, because his masculinity has been downplayed, that this is the reason why American men have a hard time following Jesus. Sometimes they call it the feminization of the church. I'm not, so I want, part of the reason why I want to clarify this, but I also want to say something else this morning. Jesus is more than just true man. He is also true God. And that is what we have going on this morning. As such, as true God, he formed you, made you, nurtured you, loved you, just like a mother. And this is what you have going on this morning. You get a peek into the heart of Jesus' tender, motherly love. He says, I want to tell you what it's like. You know what my heart, my love is like for you? It's like a hen. (laughs) It's like a hen. And you're like my chicks and all I've ever wanted. This is what Jesus is saying. All I've ever wanted, all I've ever wanted is I wanted you to come to me. I've wanted you to be my brood. I've wanted you to be under my wings. All I've ever wanted to be for all of you is a mother. That's it. But you weren't willing. 
And Jesus knows what happens to chicks who aren't protected by their mother. They always die. And so Jesus grieves. You can see it, he grieves, he grieves just like a mother. He's just like a mother in the hospital. He says, well, Jerusalem, Jerusalem is just oozing out of him. These cries, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I, I long for you, I love you, but you're going to die, Jerusalem, and, and it's killing me inside. His heart, is just, his heart is just breaking, it's just oozing out of him like a grieves like a mother. He grieves for people only a mother could love. Did you notice this? These are people that Jesus, or that only a mother could love, only Jesus could love. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, you who stone those sent to you. These are people that only a mother could love. These are horrible people. These are vicious people. These are people who take the, the, the people that God sends to them and they assassinate them in brutal ways. They murder them. These are people that only a mother could love. And he does. He loves them. All he ever wanted was for them to come to them. All he ever wanted was them, for them to, to, to gather under his wings. All he ever wanted was, was to love them. And they weren't willing. And so they're left on their own by themselves. And what Chick-fil-A wants you to forget with their brilliant marketing campaign about cows is what happens to chickens alone. They always die. And so Jesus grieves. Okay, so here's where the rubber meets the road. What do we do with that? You know what's interesting about this? It's very interesting. What's interesting about this is that nobody's died yet. It's interesting, normally this is how it works, right? Somebody dies, then you grieve. That's how it works, that's how it normally works. Somebody dies, then you grieve. Something bad happens, then you lament. This is how it happens in life, this is how it happens in the Bible. Like there's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations, grief and tears and all this stuff. It happens after Jerusalem gets slaughtered. That's how it works. Normally, a bad thing happens. You grieve it. Not here. Jerusalem's doing just fine so far. Jerusalem's just fine. But Jesus knows it's going to happen. If Jerusalem doesn't change its course, if we don't change our course, this is what's going to happen. So you know I get this? So it never happens. You know what it's like? Uh, I was a child of the 90s. Forgive me. I can't help it. So I was one of those kids. Right? This was the thick of the war against drugs. Some of you remember that? So I was one of those kids. I'm, I'm in kindergarten. I get one of those T-shirts that says, No Smoking Class of 2000. And, and I was one of those kids. I saw the commercials. Remember those commercials? Some of you remember the commercials? There was the egg. 
And then there was this hand. See, remember this? And the egg. And then there was this, this voiceover that said, this is your brain. Do you remember that? And then the hand would go crack. And then the egg would go into the pan and say, this is your, this is your brain on drugs. That was me when I was a kid. What was the point? This is what's going to happen to you if you follow this course. So you can change it. So you can change it. Here's Jesus' grief. This is what's going to happen if you don't change your course. So it's Lent. Ooh, this is heavy stuff. It's Lent, and what we got to we got to change our course. We got to repent. We got to do some things differently. We're going to do it, Jesus. So I got two audiences in here this morning. I'm going to address you both, and I think they're all appropriate. The first application is for those of you who haven't had Christian baptism yet. I've got to talk to you first. Don't refuse to come to Jesus in baptism. Don't let anything stop you. You got to come to him. You won't, you won't be okay without him. You got to come to Jesus and Christ. Don't let anything stop you. I heard a story. I was talking to my twin brother. He's a pastor up in New York City. He went to this guy. He was a, a Buddhist Christian. That's what he called himself. Buddhist Christian. My twin brother sits down with him. He wants him to come to Jesus in baptism. My twin brother says to him, he says, what's Buddha ever done for you? Jesus has died for you. He's risen for you. He's forgiven. What's Buddha ever done for you? The guy goes, nothing. Come to Jesus, my twin brother's saying. I'm a Buddhist Christian. That's who I am. Wouldn't do it. The guy asked him to leave. One month later, the guy gets COVID and dies. Come to Jesus. Don't let anything stop you from coming to Jesus in baptism. Don't let anything stop you. Jesus longs for you. He loves you. He's done everything for you. Don't let anything stop you from coming to Jesus in baptism. Second audience, two applications. Here's your first one. Now I'm talking to you Christians. Here's your first application. Don't kill the prophets. Don't kill the prophets. See, what did, what did Jesus say? He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets. Don't kill the prophets. Okay. Let's clarify, I'm not talking about dime a dozen YouTube prophets who most of the time get their prophecies wrong, which means they're not prophets at all. I'm not talking about YouTube. I'm talking about the people God sends into your life with the Word of God. 
talking about your church members. I'm talking about your spouse. I'm talking about your friends. I'm talking about your pastor. I'm talking about your vicar. I'm talking about that. Don't kill them. I can hear the rebuttals faster. (laughs) No danger of that. You're plenty alive right now. (laughs) To some of you, I am. And to some of you, I'm really not. Do you know how to kill a pastor? Just kill the relationship. It's easy. People do it all the time. Just ghost him when he texts you. (laughs) Just don't call him back. Just refuse to meet with That's how you kill a pastor. There. Done. It's easy. People do it all the time. Don't kill the prophet. There's going to come a time in your life when you're going to want to. I've been, up, I've, been, I've been around the block. It always happens. It's going to happen to all of you. Here's how it's going to work. There's going to be a sermon. There's going to be a, a counseling. There's going to be a teaching. There's going to be a conversation. There's going to be a prayer, and you're not going to like it. A certain truth is going to come into your life, and you're not going to like it. And then when that happens, you know what you're going to want to do? Kill him. Every fiber of your being is going to want to kill the prophet. Then you're going to tell your friends, and you're going to go on the internet, and you're going to go Google, and everybody's going to say, kill the prophet, you should be able to do whatever you want with your life. Kill the prophet. Kill the prophet. That's what's going to happen. Then you're going to realize this. This is what you're going to realize. You're going to realize you have a choice. Here's your choice. You can either preserve yourself or you can accept what the prophet says. You can't have both. Somebody has to die. Either either the prophet has to die or you're going to have to die. One of the two. Because if you accept the prophet, then you're going to have to die to your belief. You're going to have to die to your desire. You're going to have to die whatever you're doing that he says you're not supposed to be doing. Somebody's going to have to die. Either you're going to have to die or or he's going to have to die. You can't both live. See? And every fiber in your being is going to want to stay alive. And Jesus says, do not kill the prophet. Want to know why? Because when you die, that's when you live. I got a message the other day. It was from somebody that I ministered to in my last church. Somebody, it was dear to your soul. Knew her over a decade ago. Ministered to her over a decade ago. Get this message from her. I didn't even know what happened. I didn't realize. I was just being a pastor. I didn't realize this had happened. She sent me this message. She, she said, Have I ever, did I ever tell you this? She said, you really hurt me. She remembered the exact words. 
When I read them, my jaws, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I said that to you. It's a word. You know how sometimes that happens? Words are spoken to you. They speak a truth that is so deep in you, and it hurts you to your core. That's what happened. That's what I said. I, got, I get this message from this dear, dear soul in my past. And do you know what it said? She thanked me. She thanked me. She said, it hurts so bad. I was so mad at you. But when I believed it, I found more joy than I ever knew. See, she died so that she could live. Here's your application. The time is going to come in your life when that's going to happen to you. And you're going to have a choice. Don't kill the prophet. Die so that you can live. See, that's your first application. Here's your second one, because Jesus keeps going there. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, stone those sent to you. He says, how I longed to gather you as children. He says, as a hen, as a hen, Christ the hen. I just wanted to spread my wings over you with all the chicks together. Here's your application. Don't be unwilling to gather with the rest of the chicks. Okay, we gotta talk about that now. The first part of that is that you gotta gather to Jesus. Well, that's the easy part for Christians. We already talked about that for somebody who's not baptized. But for Christians, that's the easy part. Because Christians realize when you come to Jesus, you're receiving the forgiveness of your sins. You're being loved. This is a perfect Lord and Savior. Why wouldn't we want to come to Jesus? Of course we're going to come to Jesus. That's what Christians do. We're named after the guy. We come to Jesus. Gather to Jesus. That's the easy part. But that's not all that Jesus said. He said, I want you to gather together. I'm like a hen that wants to take all the chicks and put them under my wings. That means that you have to gather with the rest of the chicks. See, with Jesus, the hen, comes the rest of the chicks. With the chicks comes the hen. With the church comes Christ. And with Christ comes the church. With the head, Christ comes the body, the church. That's how it all comes together. When there's a hen, there's chicks. When there's chicks, there's a hen. That's how it works. That's the harder part. That's the harder part. Coming to Jesus is one thing. Gathering with the rest of the chicks is another. I, I had a conversation with a woman, uh, a member here at Peace, and she's getting into chickens. Not a joke. She's getting into chickens. She's going to start raising chickens. And I'm totally ignorant about raising chickens. So I start asking her all these questions. How do you raise chickens? How do you get into chickens? And I said, what do you do? You just get a bunch of chicks together and you start raising them? And she said, oh, no. 
You can't just introduce a chick. They'll peck each other to death. Of course, that makes me think It's been a tough few years. Honestly, um, one of the more conservative parts of the country when it comes to COVID is Oregon. And my little brother's a pastor there. They're taking off masks now. So COVID's becoming less of an excuse to not gather. So now there's other excuses, or maybe there's none at all. It's been tough over the past few years. There's been so much polarization, so much hurt, so many things that people should have said or didn't say or things they did say and they shouldn't have said. And guess what? People have gotten packed. What do we do with that? I'm not trying to press anybody's buttons right now. I'm just asking, how, what do we do with that? It's easy to just say, I'm going to stay away from the church. I've been hurt. I've been packed. You know? I don't want to be with the rest of the chicks. Some of, the, some of this, I see your body language right now. This is uncomfortable, Pastor. Some of it's expectations, I think. Right? You come to Jesus, there's all these people around Jesus. The, the church father, Augustine, he likened the church to a hospital. He said, it's a whole bunch of sick people. <laughs> what did you expect? Of course, that's not Jesus' metaphor. He's, he doesn't have a hospital metaphor. He's a hen and we're chicks, which makes this a, I figure, a barnyard. Or worse, yet a chicken coop. What did you think was going to happen? Sometimes you get pecked. I'm not trying to make light of it. All of you know, if you know me at all, that I'll be the first person to help you. I want to, I want to help people reconcile. I want people to be okay. I want to, I'll be the first person to help people through difficult stuff. You know that about me. I also want to set expectations. If there's anybody listening to this, I don't want to be a part of the church. I'm going to get pecked. I need that guy to forgive me. I, I, need, I need to be a part of a better church. I want to tell you this. That's not true. It's not. Do you know what you need? You need to be more like Christ. You need more forgiveness. You need more grace. You need to love the people that God has placed into your life like he does. The only thing that's stopping anybody from gathering with the rest of the chicks is you. That's it. Do not be unwilling to gather with the rest of the chicks because what you're finding out today is that Jesus is like your mother at Christmas time. He's only happy when the whole brood is together. And for him, all the time is Christmas time. Don't be unwilling to gather.
So how do we do this? How do we do it? I'll tell you, let me, let me tell you this. I think, I, think I checked off the list all the hard things like people who aren't baptized come to Jesus. Some of you who are struggling to, to, to reconcile with Christ's church, come back and be with the rest of the chicks. Die to yourself when the prophet comes. It's hard stuff. You know what you can do with it? You already know. Hear the sermon. Kill it in your heart. Just kill it. Kill the prophet. Like, take, let the words fall to the ground like they're meaning. Change nothing in your life. Turn your heart into a rock. It just bounces off you. Change nothing. Be a piece of granite. You can do it. You have that choice. Jerusalem did. They listened to Jesus preach this. They killed him anyway. Seventy years later, they all died. 70 AD. You can do it. Don't. Don't. Do you know where you find the power not to? Not in yourself. You find it in the grace of Jesus. In fact, let me put it like this. Do you know how you break a stony heart up? You break it with the brokenness of Jesus for you. Look at him here. He's calling for you, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Peace, peace. Come to me, Jerusalem. He's so broken. He's so grieved. Look at him. You know what it's like? You know what this is like? I think it's kind of like an intervention. That's what I think it's kind of like. You know how that is? You, you, somebody's going down this self-destructive path. The family sits you down and says, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't change your ways. And, and you don't listen to anybody. You don't, you can't. You're so mad at them. You've heard it before. You just shut it off. You get stony-faced. And then your mom sits down and your mom says, son. And it's your mom. See, she's the one who bore you. She's the one who put those, those sweet little, you know, he-man Band-aids on your knees, that was me. Or the one who held you when that girl broke up with you. She's the one who just loved you and loved you and loved you and loved you. And then your mom comes to you and says, Son, don't break my heart. Don't. That's the power. You look at Jesus and let his brokenness for you break you. Except it's more. This is just a metaphor. A mother's grief, I can't think of anything like it in this world, but I can think of something beyond this world. A mother's love is one thing, but Jesus' love is another. This is more. Jesus did something for you that your mother never did, never could, never would. 
There's a pretty famous story about a firefighter. He goes out into this forest, true story, and the fire had already gone through. And firefighters, I didn't know this, but firefighters know this, that when there's a forest fire, all the healthy animals, they, they get away. So it's pretty rare to actually find a carcass in the forest. And so this, this firefighter sees this carcass, and he comes a little bit closer, and he sees that it's a hen. And he said, what's, what's up? Was the hen maimed? Was it injured? And he gets a little bit closer. He sees the hen's wings are out like this, and, and the top half of its body is completely charred. The hen's dead. So what's wrong with the hen? And he takes his boot, and he flips it over. And then he sees it. Out from under the wings of the hen come four chicks. And they pop up out of the ashes and they scuttle off to life. The mother had stayed so that her chicks could live. Don't you see it? Herod comes, the Pharisees come and they say, Jesus, you got to get out of Dodge. You got to leave now. Herod is going to get you killed. Jesus says, I'm not going anywhere. He was going to die for the people who hated him because he has the love of a mother. And he spread his wings so that we're protected. Lent today. You have the chance to change your mind to repent. Come to Jesus as fast as you can in baptism. Don't wait. Don't kill the prophets. Don't be unwilling to gather with the rest of the chicks because that's where the hen protects you. How do you do it? Look at Jesus' brokenness for you. Look at the way that he died for you. Look at the way that he rose for you. Christ is a hen with henly love for you and yours, chicks. Let him spread his wings over you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is, a, this is a hard teaching. It would be easy for us today to harden our hearts, to walk away, to not change. Break our hard hearts with your dynamite gospel. Help us see your grief and your longing and your ache that resulted in your death and resurrection on our behalf so that we might find protection under your wings, that one day we might rise from the ashes and scuttle off to life. Amen.